This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to it again. Uh, Welcome to the beginning of the week here on the broadcast. Glad to have you aboard, hopefully for the next five days, and certainly for today, hopefully for the next two hours. And over the course of the next two hours, we'll talk plenty about what was a pretty rough weekend around the NHL, whether it was hits from behind, cross-checks to the face, punches to the face, uh, impending hearings and inevitable follow-up suspensions. This was um, this was a weekend that bleeds into a week where George Peros, uh, the head of the Department of Player Safety for the NHL, is going to be very busy. Uh, we'll get into a lot of these issues with Elliot Friedman, who joins me here in a couple of moments uh, on the broadcast. Should also um, wonder about a couple of different teams and a couple of different players uh, to kick off the week. Um, what's happening with the Seattle Kraken? what's happening with the Carolina Hurricanes. And are the San Jose Sharks actually good? Well, they look good the last couple of games. Certainly don't they. Tough one last night against the Vegas Golden Knights, but man, they look good along the way. Um, lots of news to get to with Elliot, so we'll get there in a couple of moments. Sean Reynolds drops by at the bottom of the hour. Um, speaking of good, don't look now, but the Winnipeg Jets, a team that we'll park some time with, uh, with Sean coming up at the bottom of this hour, sit number one in the Central Division. Jets are number one. Avalanche are two. They've kind of hit a speed wobble themselves, as have the Dallas Stars, who sit three right now. So uh, that's your lineup in the Central. Also coming up on the program today, we'll talk to Brian Boucher about the, yes, they are good, even in a rebuild, Philadelphia Flyers, who sit second in the Metropolitan. No one's catching the Rangers, right? No one's touching the Rangers. And Rob Rossi of The Athletic will talk to us about the Pittsburgh Penguins. What has gone wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, by the way, uh, if you missed the news over the weekend, Jesse Pogliarvi has signed a professional tryout with the team as he looks to rejuvenate his NHL career. So that's the program today. Uh, lots of news in and out uh, of all these issues. And a couple of intriguing games on the board tonight around the NHL. None so more than the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Islanders. Islanders have played well. Islanders that are at home at UBS. That means that John Tavares is playing against the New York Islanders tonight at UBS. John Tavares, who is two points shy of point number 1,000 in the NHL. Should he get it tonight against the Islanders? Here's the question. What's the reaction going to be from the fans? Will they put aside their differences and celebrate a momentous occasion for someone who accrued the most points in his career while playing and plying his trade with the New York Islanders? Or will they be Islanders fans? Like, like seriously, like who, who are we kidding here? You know, if John Tavares scores two points tonight and gets to 1,000 points, you know what is going to happen tonight. <laughs> With Islanders fans, I don't think they will put aside what might people might qualify as pettiness. Uh, they'll get the growl on, and they'll get the growl on at John Tavares, and I don't think there'll be any polite putt-for-par applause for John Tavares should he get to point number 1,000 tonight. Also, Arizona faces off against Buffalo. Tonight, the Detroit Red Wings 
who will be without the services of David Perron, uh, who has an in-person hearing, doing it over Zoom, with the uh, the sheriff in the NHL, George Peros, for the cross-check to the head of Artem Zub on Saturday. Um, so Detroit's facing off against Dallas, and the Calgary Flames take on the Colorado Avalanche. That is your four-game NHL universe Tonight. Uh, in the meantime, from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada, he is Elliot Friedman. He kicks off the show once again. Hello, Frege. Hello, Jeff. So, you remember last year? Like, I know when you're in a hockey season, you tend to forget what happened five minutes ago because there's just so much and you're constantly refreshing your brain. But as you'll recall, last season in the NHL, it was a particularly quiet one for the NHL's Department of Player Safety. Historically mm-hmm. quiet. Very few suspensions levied out from that department. This season, and I remember, I would, whenever, whenever I would check in and talk to anyone from the DOPS and I'd bring that up, they'd always say, keep that quiet. We don't want to jinx it. It's been a quiet season. Don't wreck it here for us. Uh, this year, there's been a lot, um, and George Peros is busy once again, whether it's uh, Goodbranson with the Blue Jackets, whether it's Perron with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we talked a lot about this on the podcast, and I, I don't want to you know, rehash what we went over. People can listen to that on the pod, but this is going to be an interesting day for the Department of Player Safety. Um, Perron, Goodbranson, do we know anything about Ryan Strom and the neon knee hit yesterday with Cal Connor of the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, I don't think that that one's going to have a hearing. Uh, Things can always change, but I was under the impression that that one was not going to have a hearing. Okay, so we're we're dealing with two then. We're dealing with David Perron and Eric Goodbranson. And what we dealt with over the weekend was a slew of... Um, hits from behind, hits to the side, however you want to describe them. Uh, it started Friday with the Edmonton-Minnesota game, uh, and then it bled into Buffalo and Montreal, and then yesterday was Columbus and Florida. And are you still of the mind that the call of the week and maybe the call of the night is going to be hitting from behind? Uh, I am still of that mind. And we'll see, you know, as you mentioned, there's, uh, not a, a heavy schedule tonight, only four games. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see it. I, I, I do expect it uh, to be something that becomes a priority um, because we saw uh, some near, we saw one injury, Brodine. We saw some other situations where yeah. they were fortunate there weren't injuries. And, of course, you know, Branson is he might get suspended today and I have no doubt he's going to walk in there and argue, what am I supposed to do? If you're not going to make that call, what do you expect? So I think, you know, the NHL is going to have a choice here. Do they want um, players taking matters into their own hands or do they want to clamp down? And, I mean, some fans might argue they like the uh, they like what Branson did. And, and if I was in his shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, but uh, I bet you the league's going to say, "No, nah, we better do. It. We better take care of this." How much of a mitigating factor with Goodbranson? I want to get you know one thought on David Cohen before you move on as well. How much of a mitigating factor in all of this was initially? It was a five that got reduced to a two. Obviously, the officials looked at this and said, "Look, it's two guys competing for inside position, going around the net. It was a shoulder check turned." 
into the numbers? Is that a mitigating factor here at all? Mm, You know, I I think that, um, you know, in my deeply unscientific poll of players I asked about (laughs) those three plays, and I do want to reiterate this is a deeply unscientific poll. Most people seem to believe of the three of them, and we're talking about Cousins, Kane, and Eric Robertson, that Cousins was the most egregious of the three plays. And in some cases, they didn't even think it was close. So, you know, the kind of the way I look at that then, Jeff, is um, Good Branson's going to argue that the, the punishment did not fit the crime and it's more serious than just simply a shoulder check. Like, you know, and you talked about this today, and I do agree with it on some degree. The players do have a responsibility not to put themselves in in bad positions. But these are high-speed plays where you're going back to make a play on the puck. And you know what happens, Jeff, too? I was thinking about this watching these plays again this morning. If the defenseman kind of bails out a bit and loses the puck battle, then, you know, their coaches are pissed off at them and people are calling them soft. So you're kind of damned if you do and, and damned if you don't. So, you know, I, I, I just think you're going to start seeing a few calls on this this week. I would be surprised if it doesn't happen. But as I said, my predictions this year have generally been terrible. This is my worst year ever for predictions. <laughs> and the season's just begun, Elliot. We're only yeah. a quarter of the way We're through. We're 20 games in. Yeah. Um, you still have plenty of time for more bad predictions. Don't worry, my friend. Um, uh, David Perron. So uh, I don't want to spend yeah. too much time with this. We have a lot to get to. But the, the first thing that I thought of was 87 MSG, uh, Rangers, Flyers, Dave Brown on Thomas Sandstrom. That was a 15-game suspension uh, yeah. for Dave Brown. Now, I don't think this is going to be a 15-game suspension, but that's yeah. the first place my brain went to when I saw Perron on Artem Zub on Saturday. Uh, what do you think happens here? And, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. I'm not sure what type of defense Perron could mount other than mm-hmm. I was angry. My captain was lying on the ice. I saw him standing over top of him and I wanted to get him away. Like, I don't know what he's going to say. I wanted to get him off. Uh, of our captain or away from our captain, even though Zub was calling for the trainer. Your thoughts on this one going back to Saturday? Well, look, if David Perron is smart, and I suspect he is, there's only one thing he can do today, and that is walk in there and throw himself on the mercy of the court. Don't double down. Just say exactly what you said. I lost my mind. My teammate was injured. My captain was injured. You know, it was one of those things where if you look at that in a vacuum, you can say, hey, Arden Zub is holding the smoking gun here. He's the most logical person. And then you realize this is one of those cases where Arden Zub just walked in there at the wrong time and happened to pick up the gun that had been used to kill the, kill the victim. Like, that's exactly what happened. He was just yeah. the wrong place at the wrong time. And also, you know, a cross-check to the head, um, you get suspended for that. And this isn't a ride-up cross-check. You know, that's one other thing, too, is that sometimes they will take into account that you cross-check the chest or the shoulder, and it rode up the head, and that can be a mitigating factor. That's not the case here. This was not a ride-up cross-check. So Perron has no choice, and I bet he will, walk in there and say, look, I lost my mind. I'm really sorry. Uh, I, and I accept, I accept it, and hope 
that shaves a game or two off his suspension. Um, By the outside way, Jeff, of all I wanted of to mention, sort of... did, I just wanted to mention, yeah. uh, first of all, we should, like, um, I understand that uh, Matthew Joseph has had some real dumb crap thrown on his social media accounts. That's insane. Don't do yeah. that. Don't be that person. Um, he did not have any deliberate attempt to injure here. And and secondly, you know, Bergeron got called up. He was the the uh, Redwings just made three call ups: Aston Reese, Bergeron, and Austin Zarnick. A couple people told me to keep an eye out on Bergeron. Like there might be something going on around him, like a move or something like that. So just something to watch. Okay, we will uh, we will keep our eyes peeled on that one over the course of the next couple of hours here, and then follow the socials afterwards. Um, I don't know if you have a theory on why this is, and maybe again, like unscientific, because we haven't gone through an entire season. We've only just passed the quarter mark not too long ago, but this has been a particularly violent start to the season. Uh, we've talked about fighting before; it's up. Um, suspensions year over year from last year, which I get was particularly quiet, but nonetheless, suspensions are up. Um, mm-hmm. It seems as if we're talking about this more and more uh, on a daily basis. Do you have a a theory or a thought on why the NHL is like this right now? Like, it just seems like the anger has been ratcheted up. The violence has been ratcheted up. I'm not going to say it's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. Like, we're returning... Yep. Uh, to the game as uh, as it used to be played, as opposed to I don't know the way it was played. I don't know about five minutes ago, or in this case, last season. Well, I I think Jeff, one thing the the pressure's high. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the year that I had officials saying that even during preseason, they noticed you know everyone was wired tighter than normal. Um, you know, I I think there's you know we've already had two coaches fired, right, and and yep. two pretty successful coaches. Like, these are not coaches. Like, Jay Woodcroft had a 67% winning percentage and had just won, had gone to five playoff rounds, right? And Dean Evison, yep. although Minnesota hadn't gone far in the playoffs, I thought he was doing a really nice job on a team that is essentially shorthanded. So that says to me that the pressure's high. And when the pressure's high, I think that always uh, carries over on the ice. And, you know, I, I think, like, um, you know, this is a league now where if the officials don't rein it in on the ice, you know, things can bleed out and things can become, uh, can catch fire. And we saw that on the weekend. Um, you know, like, you know, it, 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 like it, it's, not, it's not all of Andrew Kane's fault. It's not that simple. But his play leads to uh, no penalty. And then, you know, every four-checker in the league or everybody whose job in the league it is to four-check hard, you know, kind of sees that and says, okay, like, that's what I got to do. And uh, we saw a couple more plays like that. So sometimes I think it is on the officials to calm the temperature and rein it in. And that's why I'm expecting this week to kind of be like that, that they will calm the pressure and rein it in. Arizona, Buffalo, Toronto, New York Islanders, Detroit, Dallas, Calgary, Colorado. Those are your four games this evening. I want to get to Tavares and the Islanders here in a couple of seconds, but a couple oh, of things yes. more from the uh, from the weekend. Um, do you think? And you've written about this and hinted at this, so maybe I'm sort of trying drawing something out of you that that we may see as obvious. How long does Ron Francis stand for this in Seattle? 
This is, you know, this is this is a lengthy losing streak, winless in eight, or as yeah. we normally call it, losers of eight in a row. Uh, they lose 3 nothing <laughs> to Minnesota. Listen, Grubauer's hurts. Uh, Joey DeCord and Chris Drieger are your battery in nets. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't find the back of the nets. Uh, they can't uh, stop allowing goals. Uh, and they can't find wins, and this is coming off a spectacularly successful season last year. I know it's one that they wrote a, uh, a really high and unsustainable shooting percentage, but nonetheless, how long does Ron Francis sit here like the dog with the cup of coffee surrounded by flames saying this is fine? Well, I, I hope someone emails that description to Francis directly. I'd like to see his reaction. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, you know, I think they have to find an actual score. Like, even last year, as you said, they were scoring really well. Yeah, I think they led the league in five-on-five goals last year, even strength goals. But it always seemed like work. Like, they, they had a couple of really small, really smart pickups, you know, Sprong and Tolvanen, who didn't play a lot of minutes, but they scored. Like, the Carconi of the NHL this year. And... and but it just never seemed easy to me. And there's only a few guys who can kind of do that, but I never thought that Seattle really had one. And I, I see that again. I just think it's so hard for them to score. I think they play with good structure. Mm-hmm. I really like their defense. You know, when Vince Dunn was here, I kind of asked him, did he notice like he was being defended differently? And he said no, but other teams have indicated that you know, last year they, they got a lot of points from their D and they were going to try to take that away. And, you know, Haxel said uh, when they were in, I think they he said they had 57 points the year before and they were down to 50. But it, it, So it's not that much. But it, just to me, watching and sometimes, you know, the eye test fools you, Jeff, it just seems like it's really hard for them to score. They really have to work at it. And, um, you know, they've drafted guys like Furcus, who I really like. They've really put an emphasis on drafting some scores. Um, but between now and then, you have to get there, right? And uh, I, I just mm-hmm. think that that's what they need to find. They need to find someone who can make scoring look a little easier. The problem, that's a hard, that's, I mean, along with goaltending, it's one of the hardest things to trade for. Like, no one's letting go of, of scores. And, and you're right. Like, outside of Jared McCann, who has 13 goals, I mean, yeah. Jordan Eberle has three. Matt Beneers has four. Um, like some of the players that you expect to score, like, I mean, Dunn's doing well. You mentioned him. He's got 22 points in 29 games, but it's real hard for this team right now. And, you know, I woke up this morning and was, was thinking about Seattle too. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if it's too early. It's only been 18 or 19 games in the American league this year, but he's got 17 points in 19 games. I believe with Coachella, do you think they might roll the dice and call up Shane Wright? It's a it's a great question. It, it it's a great question. I mean, the thing there is, where does he like? The the one thing I think is that Ron Francis does not seem inclined to make right a winger, which is you know perfectly fine with me. I've got yeah. no problem about it. I wondered about it. So either you need a spot to play him at center, or you're going to move somebody out at center. And you know. Um, you know, you know Francis. He he's not afraid to be slow. 
He's going to have a plan, and he's going to stick to it, and he sticks to it about as strongly as anybody does. And, uh, you know, he's he's on pace there for a, a guy who's, I think, two years past his, or a year past his draft year. He's on pace to have really good numbers in the American Hockey League, really good numbers in yep. the American Hockey League. So uh, I think the question is, what do you think is better for his development? Although, Jeff, as you've seen, when your NHL team is struggling, the pressure comes yeah. for you to do things faster than you like. Well, and one of the reasons, too, is I, I always look at Seattle and say, wow, there's a lot of left-hand shots here. Like, I think there's only three right-hand shots in the lineup up front, and they're all wingers. Um, all the centers are left-hand shots, and Shane Wright is a is a right-hand shot. I, I don't know. I'm like grasping at things at this point, thinking if I'm Ron Francis, how hard it is to uh, to get someone to score. Maybe you have partially your solution playing in Coachella Valley. We're, we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, Edmonton Oilers are scoring just fine. Thank you very much. Connor McDavid is scoring just fine. Thank you very much. Evan Bouchard. He's scoring uh, just fine. Thank you very much. On an 11-game point streak, um, he's been excellent. The Oilers now 12-12-1, fourth in the Pacific, seven wins in a row. Uh, Can we now say that everything is good in Edmonton again, or are we not there yet? Oh, I think we're we're better. Um, You know, Calvin Pickard, a lot of credit, deserves a – gave him a big start yesterday. Uh, A really good one. Uh, New Jersey is, is, is a good offensive team, and he made some big saves, including right before the empty netter that sealed it. Um, so that was, that was a good one for them yesterday. I think you're getting a win out of Pickard. It's a big bonus. Look, Jeff, they're healthy, and the other solution is they just got to change the coach every two years because it gives them a really nice bump. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I, I, you know, I was I was thinking of Dean Evason when Minnesota went on their run, and you know, all of a sudden could start killing penalties, and the goalies were great, and uh, the key guys were scoring, and I think of Jay Woodcroft now as McDavid is healthy and he's filling the net, and everything that flows from that, and the goalies are stopping the puck, and Bouchard's firing it in. I just, uh it's been, uh, it's it, coaching's tough, man. I'll tell you, Freesh, coaching yeah, oh, I agree. is a tough. Tough gig, man. It's tough. It is a really hard gig because you wear it. You spend the most time at the rink. Yeah. You you yeah. take the most pressure. You're the only one who really has to talk every day. Like sometimes you're, um, you know, sometimes uh, your uh, play, your captain or your top players that take a day off. The coach almost never does. So you're always having to answer for it, and we're always so negative. Um, you know, uh, there's definitely a lot of pressure on you, especially in Canada. You have to answer for it every day. Um, uh, I, I don't think I'm in the minority here. I always get a laugh when I hear you use the term $11 billion. Yeah. Uh, I always enjoy it. And there's one player specifically that when I watch him, I think of you saying $11 billion. And mm-hmm. he had four points yesterday against Columbus, and that's Sam Reinhardt. You want to talk about ringing the bell in the right year? Sam Reinhardt oh, is doing yeah. it right now. Fifth in scoring in the NHL. He's doing it at the perfect time. He's filling the nets. As I know, listen, Matthew Kachuk is having a challenging season, let's just say, for the Florida Panthers. 
uh, Sam Reinhardt's been right there uh, in that void um, with the points. Do you have a thought on Sam Reinhardt? And is it possible that he might be pricing himself out of Florida? Well, I, I think the, the one thing I like to think about Reinhardt in Florida is this. You know, we all thought they were going to take a big step back uh, this year. Yeah. Uh, look at them. They're, you know, they've played a few more games than Toronto has. But, they're, but they've got yeah. a 667 points percentage. Like, that's that's pretty good. That's that that's a good number. That's That's top seven, I think, in the NHL. So, you know, you're in a good situation. Why did Reinhardt want out of Buffalo? Because they weren't winning. They weren't good. So now he got moved to Florida. He's in a good situation. They're winning games. And, you know, the one thing about Florida, and a few people have talked to me uh, about this, is that, you know, Tampa, when they're good, they use the whole Florida lifestyle tax situation. Guys take oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit less money. When reasonable, like yeah. when Anaheim's offering Kalorin six and a quarter, there's there's not much he can do. He He's going to go, right? But I, I got to tell you, unless somebody blows uh, Florida out of the water here, like what is, is Sam Reinhardt going to say, you know what? I've got a good thing going here. We've got a good team. Let's like if someone blows them out of the water, you lose them. But if someone, if Florida's mm. close, don't you think they keep them? Uh, I do, um, and I, I do think that the the uh, the Florida lifestyle and the tax situation works on the majority of players, specifically when you are good and you are competitive. I think that you know it's interesting. You 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 mentioned that uh, that move from Buffalo to Florida. Um, you can probably add some teams here. Let's go back into, into the Wayback Machine. There were a couple of other teams that I believe had various degrees of interest at that time. Uh, I believe St. Louis was one of the teams that was talking with Buffalo and San Jose as well that was uh, trying to get Sam Reinhardt in Florida, obviously, uh, Devin Levi being the the key piece going the other way, but there were like there were a few teams here. St. Louis and San Jose come to my mind right right away. Do you, I know I'm asking you to pull something out of the out of the, the 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 memory bank here, but do you remember if there were any more other than those two? I, I remember those two specifically. I'm sure there were others, but those were ones that really stand out. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, a couple of things tonight before we let you go. Um, there's a number of big games here. Uh, Detroit, who will be without the services, we strongly suspect of uh, David Perron face off against the Dallas Stars, Arizona, and Buffalo, and a couple of Canadian teams in action: the Maple Leafs and the New York Islanders. Listen, you talked about it Saturday. We mentioned it on the podcast. It just came out. John Tavares, two points away from 1,000, and here he is at UBS tonight, oh, Elliot. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that Islanders this. fans will will. We'll put aside all grudges and whether it's an ovation or maybe just putt for par applause, very polite. I'm sure the Islanders um, will be very happy if John Tavares gets point number 1,000 tonight. I, I have to tell you, I, I, I am supposed to be <laughs> unbiased. I so badly want this to happen tonight. I, I really do. I want to see what happens if Tavares gets... There's a thousandth point there. I, I, it could be like just a magic night for sports competition. 
I, I, I want to yeah. see it so bad, Jeff. Samsonov gets the start. Luke Fox just tweeted. So it'll be him and nice. Sorokin. And uh, it'll be a big game tonight. Like, there's always a lot of emotion in these teams. And now, like, all the tie-ins, right? Like, there's, you know, there's guys who played on both teams. Um, the, the, mm-hmm. Just the, the nature of that crowd. Going to be awesome night. Uh, it will be. Um, and the other one, the Calgary Flames facing off against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Oilers have now jumped over Calgary um, uh, in the in the Western Conference standings. Calgary's played a couple more games than the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers have. Um, you know, Peter Baugh in The Athletic writing about, is read it this morning, Ryan Johansson and his sort of role as second-line center with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, the production hasn't really been there. Um, you know, at times has been demoted in the lineup. You ever thought about either Ryan Johansson or maybe Nathan McKinnon, who's single-handedly trying oh to keep goodness. this team in games? <laughs> like every game, there's at least one Nathan McKinnon highlight where he looks like a rhinoceros on skates and just goes through everybody and scores, and it's beautiful. You ever thought on this one, Calgary and Colorado tonight? Well, you know what? I, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. You're right. McKinnon had an unbelievable week. Like he was just excellent last week, and uh, I was un- unbelievably impressed at how um, you know just how good he's looked. I just think Colorado looks really thin. You know, they've got some elite level talent, but they don't have enough around them. And the Johansson thing, yeah. like. Uh, that that's a bit that's a bit got I mean I don't want to overreact to it in a short burst I kind of want to see where it goes but you know Nashville felt very strongly that the fewer minutes Johansson played the better he was and when you're a 2C and Colorado wanted to get him in as a 2C this year you're not going to only play 15 16 minutes you're going to play a lot more than that so I just wonder if they're going to dial him back I I really think that Colorado is thin. Um, you know, the Flames, I thought that was a, a real nice win over New Jersey the other day. Again, I'm curious. Like, does Wolf get a run here? Does he get his third straight start? Mm. Or are they like, oh, no, you know, we better be careful. Don't want to play him too much. So I'm interested in that decision. Um, and the other thing, too, just two other things. Uh, we should mention Winnipeg, 654 winning percentage, fourth best in the Western Conference. And uh, Jeremy Rutherford yep. just reported uh, that Jacob Vrana is going on waivers today. Now, I heard that on the weekend that he was definitely out there. So I guess St. Louis is not waiting to see uh, if it's not wait- I mean, they must have tried, and there's not much out there. So they're just going to put him on there. Right. Um, he's one of those guys that you cheer for. Like, just, just blatantly, you hope that it all comes together for him. And, you know, I, I think that, I think you and I talked about this on, on the podcast between uh, Verana and Kapanen. Uh, that when those two signings were made, that pretty much closed the door on Ryan O'Reilly going back. Um, to the St. Louis Blues, and it looks like they've now turned the page on Jacob Verana. We'll see where we'll see where this one goes. Um, okay, great stuff, Rage, as always. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the UBS Arena tonight with the Islanders facing off against John Tavares, looking for number one thousand, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll talk to you in twenty four hours. All right, take care, my man.